You can't live looking backwards, walking in reverse. It doesn't get you anywhere. So sometimes you have to go, I need to do things differently. I need to see things differently. And the answer to that is what you feel, what you believe is all about what you think. And if it hasn't got you to where you want to be now, look at it and say, I need to change something. Otherwise, it'll be exactly the same tomorrow. It doesn't matter what you drink and what you smoke. It'll wake up tomorrow with an empty pocket and still have a headache. And worse things, give it a go. Nothing to lose. It's only memories. Fear of memories is quite overpowering, but you can get through it. It's, once you start, it gets easier. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. We are here with David Peters. And if you are looking to become the person that you were meant to be by freeing yourself from yesterday's beliefs so that you can have the life you deserve, then you are in exactly the right place where you need to be. We are here with David Peters from davidpeters.uk. He's a co-author in our Course Correct book with Pat Masidi. His other book is called When Thinking Takes a Wrong Turn. And Dave will help you transcend from victim to victor. Harnessing the skills learned from life and NLP and fast track you to success and happiness. So David Peters from davidpeters.uk. Glad to be talking to you, Dave. Hi, good to meet you guys. Yeah. So as far as there's a million places where we could start, but someone out there who maybe they're overthinking, they're dissatisfied, they're not where they want to be in life. What's the situation? What are they feeling and what's the solution? Feeling-wise, again, in my case, and I should imagine others will be in a similar position, it's a feeling of being disconnected or invisible or never quite satisfied, never quite happy. There's all these things milling around. And the strange thing is you don't always know they're there. You just know you're not happy. You know something's not right and something's eating your way. And that's the, that was what got me started looking and asking questions as to, I, to be honest, at times I just thought, if I can't find a solution to this, it seemed like you start to have these darker thoughts. Let's put it that way. Darker thoughts. You can't escape in a bottle because you wake up the following day and your head hurts and you still feel bad. So I needed something more permanent one way or the other. So, that, so you had these dark thoughts and what did that look like on the outside because it's one thing to say i have bad thoughts i'm held back but were you limited in your business in your career in your relationships how did oh, that manifest on the outside yeah didn't manifest so much in in my career because i was largely running an automatic that was what my default program was automatic i didn't stop and think i just did things and then when i almost why do i do that and i never knew the answer why but in relationships, I found that I could only go so far right, to get towards people and then I'd have to pull away again. And yeah, even with romantic sort of stuff, I found that as soon as I got in, I was already looking for a way out because something just something kept pushing me. And it's a bit strange uh, how that came about because my brothers, they were in a similar position, but they went totally the opposite way to me. They, they leapt onto safety and security, whereas I didn't trust it. And so I always kept distance. So it's like a gnawing feeling. And I describe it as constantly you're in, you're out at sea, you haven't got a life jacket and you're drowning and you're gasping for breath and you're sinking again. And that's what it feels like to me. So it, it feels like you're out there in the water without the life jacket and you're sinking and you're drowning. And so how did you begin to even discuss this? Because I imagine that these sort of deep thoughts, they're uncomfortable even to think about. And maybe even worse to speak about with your family and friends. So 
how did you begin to get help or even put a label on what was happening to you? Yeah, that was the thing. I couldn't find a label. I got into the habit of not confiding in anyone. I don't know, I had friends, family, it just didn't seem to happen. And I got used to being closed up, trying to figure it out for myself. And I tried loads of different things, NLP, hypnosis, and they all gave short-term fixes, but they're like wallpapering over the cracks. I wasn't really addressing the real issue. I'm trying to think, I, it was only when I met somebody else and they were, I was talking to them one day, they said, oh, maybe you should try this uh, Scientologist. At which point the barriers came up because it's like, uh, it was like psychology, anything like that with a technical name sounds like, whoa, major defect panic, you could end up being locked up or something. It, that's the impression I had, but in actual fact, it's somebody that knows how to deal with problems and they could see something that I couldn't see. And that was the key that unlocked it. They got the ball rolling to, and then I started to have dreams, which I never used to remember dreams and the dreams were quite telling. And I remember one dream is I was in the, like a tower and it was very tall and very safe. And then it occurred to me, it's very safe, but there's only one person in here and that's me. And I'm not going to meet anybody else or feel connected until I come out. And that was the start of it. And so what do you think is the lesson there? Because it seems to me like it's like redefining what your goal is, right? Because at first you say, I'd like to just be isolated. That's my goal. But then you say the results of that is then I'll be really lonely. So maybe yeah. it's time for a new goal. And so. Like, how did you readjust that? Because as we began opening up to the clinical psychologists, I'm sure they have techniques and things like that. So what were the first steps towards your recovery? Yeah, the actual going there was the hardest thing. The first, when you go to put yourself like under the spotlight, like the Gestapo, the spotlight, when you're going to be grilled. As I was driving, I deliberately picked somewhere quite a few miles away from where I lived. And as I was driving there, all the time I was going, I kept trying to find excuses, subconscious was saying, oh, you need to do this. It's more important. You need to do that. So it was trying to stop me from going because this was what my subconscious thought I wanted. You don't want to go there. You don't want to visit these things. And, uh, but I said, no, I can't put up with this any longer. It's driving me nuts. I don't feel happy. It's not going to get any better. And, and something's going to happen to make this a permanent solution, which is the dark force. I was just thinking, and if I can't get out of this situation, why go on? It just seemed a continual downward spiral and it would only get worse. So I thought it's best to try and get out of it rather than sit back and do nothing. And so I'm just glad that I made it there. And it, yeah, it wasn't as bad as I thought. It's my fear of what may happen. I feared losing control. And that was the biggest thing is not being controlled because being control is about being safe. And that was the barrier I'd made for myself. So I had to come out doing that. And it was scary, but I did it. And that's interesting to think about that control is good, but too much control equals too much safety, which means no Nothing. risk, no adventure, boredom, no growth, all those bad things. So there is such a, it's too much of a good thing. And then you're mentioning this, the kind of negative self-talk concept, how right. if there's something that that you need to do, but you're dreading it, right? Go driving to the dentist or driving to that doctor's appointment. And on the way, your brain's think, trying to think of excuse after excuse yeah. to not do it. Yeah. And that's one of the simplest secrets, right? That there's this thing that you have to do. You planned it ahead of time and it's easy to talk yourself out of it. But if you just went and did it, 
that would be the simpler solution. And that would be more towards what you should be doing in, in order to further everything that you have going on. And so you said that you, you were really nervous about going to the psychologist and you yeah. even made it a point to drive way far away to do it. But now it seems like you are on the opposite extreme, right? Now, now you're here, like telling the whole world about your, yes. your uh, situation. So how did you get from there to here? It's like everything else. Once, once you face your fear, and again, it was, this fear was what may happen. It could all explode. Pandora's box opens up and I lose control and everything else. But once you've done it a few times, you start to realize, actually, this isn't harmful. Not only is it not harmful, I'm starting to actually feel bad about the fact that I'm like a pressure cooker and everything been building up inside. And this was an outlet to get these things out. And also what I found was by seeing this psychologist was somebody was put in perspective that I didn't have. Oh yeah, well, it's not surprising you did that. It's not surprising this was the end result, why you felt this way. And the thing that kind of she said to me, and I find it hard to believe that she said something to me, but what she said to me was people with your background are either in jail or they're dead. And I just went, oh, I thought that sounds a bit overdramatic. And is that the sort of thing you really want to be hearing? But I guess it's her way of trying to get me to see that this wasn't something minor I've been through. So almost like describing PTSD but I'm not comparing to being on that level. For me, it probably felt like it, especially when it starts, when you're four or five years old, it, you, you're shocked. And then she was trying to just give some sort of perspective on it. But once it starts to come out and you realize, well, this is not harming me. It's not as bad as I thought. It's a release and it's a way of seeing things and realizing actually all it is that a lot of things that I've interpreted, I may have some things I've seen the wrong way. Some things I may have misunderstood. Some things I've taken the blame for, which really aren't my doing. And it's, it's a, like a reset. It's, we need to get that out of the way and then we can learn to see things differently. And that's what it comes down to. Your old memories, your memories keep you trapped. If you remember something, a smell can trigger a memory, a sound sometimes can trigger a memory and memories, they're a collection of thoughts, emotions, and it's the emotions that you trap there, the little triggers take you straight back. But what you're remembering, you're remembering something. It's not happening now, but you feel like it is. And so the trick was to go back there, turf out the emotional stuff and get rid of it, turn it around so it looked different, been the emotional side so it didn't keep dragging you backwards. And that's essentially what happened in, the, in these sessions. I got better at it. And now I just think to myself, no big deal. If people don't think this sounds good, I just think, okay, whatever. You make your own decision. But uh, having felt some relief from doing it, I just figured if it helps somebody else out, why not put my thoughts to some use? So that's basically how I ended up getting involved in this. And uh, you say the biggest thing is always, you'll always question yourself. And I could have stopped writing anytime. I could have stopped doing lots of things. But then I just thought, no, why should I put it out there? If it helps somebody, great. If I feel better as a result of doing it, great. No harm done. No big deal. People think it's strange, whatever. No big deal. That's fine. You're just expressing yourself. And this is interesting to think about that. There's that idea of working on yourself and fixing all these problems and then also making it about more than just yourself and passing on the lessons you learned in order to, it feels good, but it's also more fulfilling because you're like, okay, it's not just selfish. It's shortcutting the path for someone else. And then this whole idea of getting the perspective that, there, there are many people out there 
almost everyone has it worse than you, right? If you looked yeah. at the problems everyone else had, you'd be happy yeah. with your own problems. But it's a little scary because then you also look at it and say, my situation could be worse. It's not, but it's, it's like a, a double-edged sword there, right? Where you think it's not as bad as it could be, but then it could be worse. And then this idea that you're mentioning of the triggers, I think about that all the time. I take my son to the playground every morning. And when I look at like the monkey bars and the ladders, it's lately been triggering me. And I think, oh man, when I was eight years old and that one kid was mean to me on the playground. And that's interesting that you had that insight there that you have the memory and then you like re-experiencing as if it's yeah. happening now, but it could have happened decades ago. And that yeah. it's more helpful to detach the emotion versus what your memory is because it's just the data and the information. And so you mentioned about you have this like almost PTSD sort of experience from when you were younger. So do you feel like telling us a little bit about that, about what that was like and how you overcame it? I say it was the continual highs and lows, the constant mood changes, the constant, you know, I could be high one second and crash the next for no real reason. It, it just seemed to be, there was no, I was like, why, why don't I feel happy? Why, why is it if I go out, I can be all right one second and not the next. And just things used to flip like this all the time. I'm just thinking this, this can't be. This can't be normal because I looked at other people around me and they didn't seem to be having this. They didn't have the mood swings. They all found they could get settled down. They all seemed to be able to do things that I wasn't able to do. And I kept thinking, why is this happening? And again, you just, I, it, oh, cracky. I look back and then realize, okay, my pulses may be different to what theirs was. And maybe some of my memories were maybe tripping me up as well. They might not have been accurate, but I was such a good, how should I put it? I had a mask and the thing was only recently I told a friend of mine about some of my past experiences and he said, I would never have known. I, I had no idea. And so I just thought to myself, again, it just goes to show that I've become so skilled at uh, putting on a front, a face, and a lot of people do it. And I see it in other people quite a lot. They put on this false persona and I'm sensitive to it now. But also at the time when I was having all my problems, the one thing I was very sensitive to, I'd pick up on it in a split second. If there was any indication of any sort of violent behavior, you know, mood change, just a sense of it in almost like I could feel it in the air around me, that it's almost like, it's almost like somebody sent a wave of violence in my direction and I could pick it up and I'd be very sensitive to it. And I was like, whoa. So it just goes to show that you have heightened senses for some things. And that was one of mine. Yes. So there's lots of strange little things happen, but yeah, you start to become more aware of things around you and how you affect other people and how their thoughts sometimes affect you. Because if you go into a room, you can be in a room. Sometimes somebody will come in, you don't see them and you just go, I don't feel very comfortable. And you'll turn around and you'll just say, oh, and again, it's all your extra senses. It's all linked back to things that you've acquired. And I still think also that we start recording as individuals before we're born. I still think that possibly before, I don't know what stage in the early months, I think we're starting to pick things up from sounds around us before we're even born. And I think also some of us, even we think all our memories are up in our heads, but I don't think that's the case either. I think memories are stored in the DNA, maybe through various parts of the body, because how else, I think, how else would you explain people that are born with skills, you know, these born with them, they suddenly come out and they're, Hey, I'm a great footballer. Where did that come from? Most people have to practice. Most people have to learn. You have to learn to ride a bike. How comes 
you're a brilliant swimmer or something. So they, yeah, there's more to it. I think there's lots of things. Yeah. You have the memories and experiences stored somewhere. And so how do you reconcile this idea of, so there's the mask, right? There's also being honest and there's also like expressing yourself and there's also having the highs and lows of the emotions. So like, how do you judge is some of a mask? Okay. Is it okay to sometimes have the mask that way you're not oversharing and always making everyone else miserable. How do you know when to hold back and when to let loose? Again, the mask was just a safety thing. So nobody could see what was behind. So I wasn't vulnerable. So my, my coping strategy growing up was everything was boxed. Nobody got to find anything out and certain people got a bit of information. You got something different. Nobody got all the information. So once I got over this need to be overly protective, I found I'd throw this away. I don't need this anymore. You know, what you see now, you ask me a question, I can give you an answer. I don't have to stop because my stumbling block before was when I had these sessions with a psychologist, she would say to me, how do you feel? And I'll be sitting there thinking, what do you mean feel? Now to me, feeling was if you stab me in the finger, I go, ow, my finger hurts. And if you hit me around the head, I go, oh, my head hurts. When she said to me, this happened, how do you feel? I kept thinking, again, thinking, well, I can't see a connection between what you're asking me and, and a sensation. I couldn't find anything. And it took me a long time to realize that thinking is what you do when you're trying to be protective. Feeling is what you do when you just spit out an answer. This is how this makes you feel. Thinking is what you like your sanitized effect to keep yourself distant from what you really want to say. I don't know if I put that quite right, but there is a difference. And it took quite a while before I realized, okay, yeah, what I'm feeling is how I would assess my mood and what's happening to me at the moment. It's not necessarily a physical stabbing. It could be something else. I probably haven't quite conveyed that for a while, but it took well, a while to learn. So am I understanding you right in that? So there, there's thinking and there's feeling, and then maybe there's a time and a place for each one of those tools. And it seems like a lot of your logic revolves around, am I using the wrong tool? And am I being too safe? Am I riding the bike with the training wheels on, but I don't need them anymore? And so you feel or you think depending on what's across. Um, yeah, I say originally I used to do a lot more thinking. Everything responses to people was always, I used to have to think about it. What should I say that's not going to cause a problem or get me into trouble? I'm not saying that you totally stop thinking. Sometimes you have to obviously judge responses, but I find it's like everything else. It's a bit like trust. You don't say to somebody, yeah, there you go. There's everything I've got. Have the whole thing at one go. What I find is you give a little bit. And then you get a bit back and it's a two-way thing and you progressively build up. You can't just unload everything at one go. You just a bit at a time, piece by piece, and you gather the pieces. So it's the same with people as well. You don't just come out and spit out whatever you think. You give them a little bit and you gauge their reaction. And then you start to figure out, okay, should I be having this discussion with you? Or should I really be telling you what I think about this? Because you start to get a sense of when it's a good thing to do or not. You say, I'd never made a politician. If I went out there and told everybody, oh, I think you're a complete whatever. So it, you have to gauge it. And it's a thing you have to learn to gradually interact by people's reactions, how they react to what you say. You think, so it's always a little bit and you progressively build up. This is the way I would say that I've had to learn to do things.
And that relates back to what you were saying a few minutes ago about during the situation from the other person's point of view and what, how are they reacting and what are they thinking about? And so the visual that's developing in my mind is you have, you have the cupboard full of food and the way that you used to be was you're like, the cupboard's closed. I'm not dishing out any of the food. And the, the other extreme would be, let me dump out all the food on the floor. And you're saying that there's all the food in the cupboard and you could dish out a little bit. And then based on the person you're dealing with and the trust and the rapport and the experience, you could dish out more and more. But before it was like completely closed. You were not going to dish anything out. But now over time, you're willing to to put that out there. But again, it's like anything. uh, Trust is a two-way thing. And I always say that you can't keep giving to somebody and they keep taking. If they're taking, don't give anything back. Then that's a reason, I think, not to trust them because it's... Everything, it's a sharing thing. If you're like working with someone, if you're doing all the work and they're letting you do it, you just think at some stage, am I being taken for a bit of a sucker here? Is the way I would look at it. And it's again, like there are people, you have to build some trust. If, they, if you have to give them a bit of trust, they have to give you some as well. And if they're not, you start questioning, how much more do I want to give this person before I realize that maybe they're just taking advantage. So yeah, it's, it basically you say there's, the whole thing is about having to learn basic skills at communication and you know, how to deal with people properly and, and say there are people that will take advantage and some of them do it intentionally and some do it and they're not ne- necessarily aware of it. And again, you have to gauge things, but I find generally speaking that with most people now, if you have, oops, sorry, I wasn't expecting that. I need to shut the noise up. If you have a positive outlook. I think you tend to attract positive people to you because it's like, it's almost like you seek them out. They seek you out. I think it just changes what, what you expect to come to. Yeah. It's quite, there's, it's, there's a lot to it. It's a shame you can't download people when they are born. Here you go. Here's a complete download of how to interact with people, how to do things, how to behave, how to think. We don't get that. And if you don't have a good teacher when you're growing up, then you end up with the same bad lessons that they were taught. And you have to remember, we're all a product of our parents. And I just figure I can't blame my parents for the fact where they failed because it's not for me to judge. I I might realize certain things about it I didn't like, but then I just think chances are they're like that because their parents taught them to behave that way. And in some cases, of course, it could be that maybe the parents have a mental illness themselves they don't even know about. And they inadvertently pass it on. So you can't go around blaming somebody else. You say, okay, that wasn't ideal. At some point, I have to take control. Sometime I have to go and take responsibility. And you have to take responsibility for yourself about how you feel. You can't say, oh, I feel awful. And I feel terrible and angry because this happened 30 years ago. I've met people like this. And I'll just say, but you're the one that's continuing. You know, what they did. Might not have been brilliant, but you're reliving the you're reliving that whole thing, and you're keeping it going. You're the one that's breathing life into it. You can't if you're blaming somebody else. What you're really saying is, I'm not taking responsibility. I don't want to make any effort in case I might fail. So it's easier for me to blame somebody else, and that's the way it looks to me. And so the I guess the catchphrase I'm getting from your statements here is, you get what you tolerate, and that can manifest in a lot of different ways, right? Get what you tolerate, meaning if you allow yourself to be disrespected in a friendship or at work and you keep letting that happen, after a while, it is your fault. Or if you keep on having yeah. the, this baggage or 
this negative outlook. And it's something that you just allow yourself to continue. And you might even be aware that you're doing it. After a while, it is on you to readjust and fix the behavior despite the mistakes of the past. And so this is a really heavy conversation and it's a lot to think about. But if this is hitting home for a podcast watcher or listener, then that's good, right? Because if it's making you uncomfortable as a listener, then that's a sign that maybe this is something for you to work on. And so Dave, you're a life coach. And so do you have any fun success stories or just like things that you want to share with us about the lives that you've changed, about the behavior that you adjusted with people? What do you have to say about other people? About other people? I, I used to say that I've, I don't have to say case studies as such, or, or I've, I've found that what's happened is over the years, it's like everything else, when you start saying things about yourself, you start to see them in others because you shone the light on yourself and it all becomes clear. So I found that inadvertently I was pointing out to other people, oh, okay, look, you have a problem here, but you can't go up to somebody and say, look at this, you've got this big thing here or whatever. You can notice it. And what you can say to them is when they make certain things like, oh, this is terrible, that's terrible. You can then ask the question, do you not know why that is? If they want the answer, I say, if you want to know why that is, I can tell you if you want to know. If not, I'll mind my own business. And sometimes they're intrigued. What do you mean? Like I can say to somebody by their whole manner, do you find this guy used to work with, he used to moan all the time that to get with some women and they would dump him in no time at all. And he couldn't understand why. And I said, you really don't know why. I said, I can tell you if you want to know, I can tell you a few things that stand out. And he was almost like, he was shocked. He was, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? And I said, no, I'm not being critical. I'm trying to give you some advice and tell you things that I see that may be causing a problem. And I just drop little things in there to make them think. And I said, obviously you have an issue with your father and they were dumbstruck. How do you know that? And I said, because it's everything about you says that I can explain more if you want to know. So it started like that and it became a kind of a regular thing. I just pick up on things with people quite quickly at a lot of times. And, and I just point them in the right direction say, if you can do this or you can do that choice is yours, but it started like that. Really. I found that mostly I did it for people I know and for friends and stuff and never really thought to do it other than as a favor. But now I'm thinking to myself, I can reach so many people, but one thing I do know is nobody appreciates free advice Yeah, because they'll look at it and they, because it's not cost them in some capacity, they don't value it. So I, so again, I draw the line. I can say, I can tell you certain things, but there's only so far I'll go. But at the end of the day, everything comes and it stops with you. You decide what you want to put up with, what you want to do about it. And if I'm going to dedicate my time to help you out again, it's still my time. And, and if you're not going to value it, then I'm not going to do it. And so I try to throw a hurdle in there. And if it's a cost value of some sort to them, it will make them stop and think, do I really want to make the effort or not? And if you want to waste your time, you can, but I'm not letting you waste my time because I've got enough things to do. Thanks all the same. So sometimes you've got to be quite hard about things because otherwise people just come in and take a bit and walk away and it will still be your fault. It'll never be their fault. So you just say, there you go. So cost, I find, is a big influencer. These these are some interesting insights. So just to recap, to make sure I'm mentally digesting what you're saying, there's that concept of the thing that you notice in other people might be something that you hate about yourself. If it's a quality that you keep noticing. And so that alone might be a reason for some introspection. 
And then something else that you mentioned there is this idea that not everyone is interested in your opinion or your advice. It might not be welcome. And we've all been in there where we just didn't want to hear it. Or we said that, you know, I'm aware of this problem or it's not a priority for me or I just I'm not looking for advice. And that's a really important thing there is just seeing if the advice is welcome. And then the other insight you mentioned there is whether or not you have skin in the game and that if you get free advice, you might not even really take it or even like some kind of project. Like, for example, you're in that your co-author with that book with Pat Masidi and you paid to yeah. be in it. And if you if it was just free, who knew who knew if you would have taken it seriously, right? It would have been more like a hobby and not so much of a business. So if this is a real problem, this is, if this is a real thing to focus on, then put some skin in the game and pay some money for it. And so how do people pay you money, Dave? What's the next step as far as this life coaching process? And what's the website? And what does someone do as far as a next step if they've listened to your advice and they want to do more? I'm almost finished. I've been writing out like a course. So I had to have a script so I can try to follow to deliver enough information without too much repetition. So I'm just about finished putting the course together. And then I'm just going to either do an audio or possibly even a video, depending on my ability to record because I'm not exactly equipped. So once I figure out how to do that, I'm going to put the course on the website. And the idea of that is it'd be much along the lines of what I've been talking about, but try to target. This is what you need to look at. This is what you may have experienced. This is how to approach things. This is, I touch on other areas like learning communication skills. And it's not just body language, it's communication, not just gestures and expression, but also other messages you give. And also people pick up on your frame of mind. You go out of bad mood, people notice it. It's not just, they don't have to see you looking glum. Sometimes you can feel it. You, it's almost like a ripple. I think thoughts are like, you drop a rock in a pond, ripples go out. I think thoughts are like that. They don't stay with you, they go out, which is why sometimes you think, that person makes me uncomfortable. There's more things to pick up on, communications, and what about things like attraction, how to attract other people, how to attract other things. I'm working on this various modules to try and give a bit more detail and definition of things to look at and consider. And these are all, will all be just a start of a process because I can't teach anyone body language on a video course. I can teach you basics and I can say, go on, sign up for a course, do some body language courses online and then go in person and do a course with actual people because it's surprised. You'll be surprised what you, you can actually learn. I thought I was going to be really bad at body language because I did go on a course and I turned out to be a hell of a lot better than I th thought I was going to be. And that's only because, again, since I started to learn uh, about myself a bit and I started to pick up clues on other people and I found I was reading other people so accurately, they were getting up really uncomfortable. They didn't like it. So I just thought, oh, maybe I've got a bit more insight into this than, than I thought. And, and there's a few other things I did as well, which again, just give you an idea of what other people sense, what other people see. And there's lots of things. So I could go on for hours. I'd talk you into boredom properly, but uh, so yeah, I'm doing the course and I, yeah, I just send people do find some courses to improve on. And I'm considering even maybe some doing some one-to-one -one chats because say, I, I can't, I could tell you the basic process of what the psychologist taught me through to get rid of the emotion, but I'll let them do that because they're professionals. I can tell you, this is what they do. 
this is what's going to come up. These are the sort of feelings you're going to get, and you just have to stay with it because if you don't, you're going to be stuck where you are, and obviously that's not working for you. So bear with it and just keep on expecting things to happen. But the closing thing on this is that again, another thing that again came to me in a dream, and it, to me it's relevant. It might not be to you or anybody else, but I had this dream once, and I, I was being sick. I was a young kid, and I was being sick. I was fully vomiting. And I had my eyes shut because I just thought, I don't want to see this. It's going to be awful. It's going to sting. I'm, my brother's going, look. And I'm like, no, I don't want to look. And I open my eyes and there's all these like gemstones. It's a very clear memory even now. There's all these gemstones, sapphires, rubies and stuff. And I'm just thinking, my God, where have they got bought? Sick again, more come out. I'm thinking, where are these coming from? They're coming out of my mouth. And I'm thinking to myself, this can't be real. And some of them, I looked at them and they were too big. I'm thinking, how could that even come out of this? It's not big enough. And my brother's scooping the rock, collecting them in a large bucket. And I'm just thinking, what a strange dream. And the only thing I could get from that was that maybe there's more value in what I say than I put on it. If not for me, maybe for somebody else. So that's another thing that helped keep me going and to continue writing in the fact that maybe I can Let's just say, translate what it feels like and what to expect and say to people, yeah, this is what's wrong. This is how to deal with it. This is where you try this and try that. I can't do it for anybody. I don't make people feel better. At the end of the day, they have to make themselves feel better. I can tell you what to do, where to find it. If you go swimming, you can read a book. You can go and sit on the side of the pool, but nothing's going to happen until you get in the water. And that's the closing thought for that one, Sam. Okay, we're all on our own journey. And so I'm definitely seeing the value in and how if you're out there and you're stuck and you need help with these life skills, personal skills, then Dave is the guy that can help you get there, especially when that course comes out, which sounds amazing. And will that course be at davidpeters.uk? Yes, that's the plan at the moment. It's, yeah, I've been at most of it. To be fair, I've been a little bit slow on this because, again, things get on the way and, again, doubts creep creeping over time and then of course i did all the notes and then you read them oh well, sorry i've read them and went mm. does this make sense could i make it better can i make it clearer am i is it too patronizing again you have to be critical so i'm trying to make the best of it i can but, but yeah once i've got it the course will be there and and hopefully by the time i come to get it all together i'll improve the website as well because mere websites is a new thing I had a go at it and I just thought, if I make a mess of it, no big deal. And if I can't sort it out, I'll get someone else to help me. It's, the whole thing is, again, learning how to see things differently. And I'm just thinking, so what? If it's wrong, there's something wrong with it, it's not the end of the world. So you go along. The most important thing with anything is to do it. Get out there and make a start, go and do it. And that's what I learned from Pat. So if you've ever listened to Pat, it's like you go in there and he gets you, he's all pumped up. And you come out there, you're all pumped up, like, hey, let's go and do it. And yeah, Pat's kind of kept you going. And uh, so he was good because he's, he's a very much a doer. And so you don't get anything if you don't do it. I love it. So you found a mentor who worked for you and you figured out that most mistakes in life are minor and can be undone. But the biggest mistake is not trying and not taking action. And no one has it figured out. And it's all about just making a stab at it, doing your yeah. best leaving your comfort zone, enjoying learning, making incremental progress, and all those other things that go along with it. And so the very next step for you out there in podcast land to do is go to 
davidpeters.uk. If you enjoyed what Peters was talking about here, including all the things he's learned in his life experience with NLP and psychology and with Pat Masidi and the new book he has coming out, the new course he has coming out, the hub for all of that is davidpeters.uk. So the very next thing you do, your homework assignment for the next 10 seconds is fire up your web browser or open it in your phone or pull the car over or whatever and go to davidpeters.uk and we will see you there. And as we close up this call, Dave, do you have any final parting words or advice or should we just say go to davidpeters.uk? Yeah, I so, say, you know, you'll see a website. There's not much at the moment and I'll get it built. I'm frantically trying to make a nice website, get the course on there. But I hope to be able to, again, be able to get some emails and say, look, I can usually find talking to people. I can usually pick up on what the problem is or where it lies and say, this is what you should be doing now. Do this or do that and make a start. But either way, the problem is it's in the past. It's a memory. It's not real. You survived it once. Don't keep getting tripped up by old emotions and feel like you can't change them. You're going to be stuck forever and there's no solution. There is a solution but you have to take responsibility and we, we're all responsible for our own emotions and how we feel what somebody else did or didn't do. Okay. Might not be their fault. Might be their fault. Doesn't matter. It's in the past. It's gone. You can't live looking backwards and walking in reverse. It doesn't get you anywhere. So sometimes you have to go, I need to do things differently. I need to see things differently. And, I, and the answer to that is, again, what you feel, what you believe is all about what you think. And if it hasn't got you to where you want to be now, then obviously you've got to look at it and say, I need to change something because otherwise it'll be exactly the same tomorrow. It doesn't matter what you drink and what you smoke. It'll wake up tomorrow with an empty pocket and still have a headache and worse things. So best to give it a go. Nothing to lose. And it's only memories and fear of memories quite overpowering, but you can get through it. It's once you start, it gets easier. I love it. Time to break the cycle. Yeah. What a great message and what an inspiring thing for us to think about. We talked about a lot of kind of real deep psychology and things that need to change in a lot of lives. So Dave Peters from davidpeters.uk, go there right now and we will see you there.